0: In week two of a series entitled "Christian Atheist," and, and a Christian atheist can be defined as really somebody who says they believe in God, but they live like He doesn't exist. And so the basis for our series it comes from a book that was written um, several years ago by Pastor Craig Rochelle, which you can actually that was the book that Larkin referenced that you can go out and purchase. And then we're taking a deeper dive with fresh original messages here. To into this topic of why is it that Christians have a bad rap? Why is it that in public when when someone says the word Christian, it's usually followed up with a negative connotation in news media and in social media today? Well, I think it's because sometimes we are guilty of saying we believe one way and then we live another way. And last week we talked about the barrier of what happens when you say that you believe in God, but you don't actually know Him. And we shared how truly knowing God, truly knowing Him, is not about information, but it's about transformation. And that to know God is to love God, and to love God is to obey God. And so today, we want to talk about the topic of happiness, So what happens when you say you believe in God, but you pursue happiness at any cost? And you actually make happiness the God or the idol in your life. And you're willing to do anything in pursuit of that. A nurse, uh, Bronnie Ware, made headlines several years ago. She was out of Australia. She was a nurse who would take um, care of patients in palliative care, or or patients in their last few days and weeks of life. And through years of taking care of these patients in their last days, these patients would often share with her their most common regrets in life. And ultimately, she compiled that and actually wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And so in these patients, at the end of life, they actually shared, um, and these were some of the most common regrets of people in their end of days. People said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Others said, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Some said, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and family. And the last one is, I wish that I would have let myself be happy. Isn't that an interesting concept? Let myself be happy. See, sometimes I think we pursue life where we have to go after and get and get and do all we can and work all we can and get everything we can, and then we get to the end of life, and, and what you never hear is people like, man, I really wish I put more time into things that didn't matter. I, I don't think anyone's going to get to the end of their life like, man, I really wish I would have watched more Netflix. <laughs> I really missed out on not scrolling through social media as much as I really should have right? Like we, we, that's not what people say because you get to the end of life and you want to know that you are loved. You want to know that you have a legacy. You want to know that you matter and and you want to, you want to know what's after. (laughs) And too often in the American dream in our culture where it says get what you can while you can, we almost treat God like he's a cosmic, soda machine or vending machine it's like i'll work 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 i'll do what i can what i can and it's just myself and i'm gonna do everything i can and then when i need something okay god i'll put in a dollar okay a4 okay that's what i want i want this okay and then a little bit of this god and you hit the button and you wait for it and you treat god like a cosmic vending machine when the reality is is that he wants a relationship with you he wants a conversation with you he wants to be connected to you, to bring you the things that you're actually looking for. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because here's the main premise we're going to break down this morning, and it is this, is that happiness is a choice, not a chase. Happiness is a choice, not a chase. You know, in 2010, when Pastor Craig Rochelle actually wrote the book, uh, Christian Atheist, he said there are over 10,000 books on Amazon available right now with the word happy in it. That's a lot. A lot of people are searching for it in the self-help section, and it's be happy, do this, all these things. And then I was just curious, and so I went on this week and I checked Amazon. Can you guess how many books now, just nine years later? There's over 80,000 books available to purchase right now with the word happy in the title. We have more access to information than any generation ever in all of history. And so it's not so much that we're in need of information, but really what people are searching for is meaning. Why does this matter? And so they search happiness, but happiness is a choice, not a chase, because we find ourselves chasing after the things of this world in pursuit of happiness, hoping that if I get this, if I have this, if I do this, if I connect to this person, then I will be happy. And we turn happiness into an if-then statement. But the problem with an if-then happiness statement is that as soon as you get that thing, the bar goes up. It doesn't satisfy for long. And so we have to stop chasing the things of this world. Well, what is it that we chase? I believe we chase three things. Number one, we have to stop chasing stuff. We have to stop chasing stuff. Because we're, we're buying more and more and more things as a culture. Especially in this area, if I'm just being transparent, right, myself included. But where we live, right, you got to keep up with the Joneses, okay. Unless your name is Jones, then we're trying to keep up with you. But but it's like I got to have more. I got to have more, and it's all across the board. The average house in America in 1970 was 1,500 square feet. In 2014, the average house size was 2,600 over 2,600 square feet, or an increase of 77% in the last 40, 50 years. But while we increased our home sizes by 77%, apparently that wasn't enough because actually they started this new industry called storage units, okay? And storage units, all right, as of last year, 2018, there are 50,000 storage units facilities currently in the United States. So entire facilities with imagine how many are inside of that. Storage unit facilities is currently a 38 billion dollar industry. And if you take all of the storage space and you put it side by side, it equals 2.3 billion square feet. Or in other words, four times the size of Manhattan. To just hold all of our extra stuff that doesn't fit in our extra space and our extra home. <laughs> Man, I don't have an extra home. If you have one, just share let me know. But, right, the idea is that we want more. Now, there's nothing wrong with a house. Like, a house is, it's, it's, it's amoral. It's, it's, you know, a brick can be used to build something, or it can be a weapon if you're a small Boy, that's looking to go after a brother. It's not safe, okay? We have bricks that open the door right there as a doorstop, okay? But it can be a weapon. It, it's amoral, it, it's neutral. It's, there's nothing good or bad inherently about something, it's how you use it. Well, as a culture, we, we continually preach you have to have more stuff. You have to have more stuff. And if you run out of room, it's okay. Just get more storage, and then you get more stuff. And not only do we want more stuff, people crave new. I, I'm an Apple fan, okay, I got the laptop, I got the phone, okay, I don't have the watch, but I probably would if I wore watches, and so I love Apple products, like it's it's a cultural thing, it's an identity thing, it's like, yeah, Apple, all the way, and, and you know it when you talk to people who are Apple people, right, there's Apple people, and then there's everybody else, that's what we think at least, right, like Windows, <sighs> Right, like a new feature comes out on the iPhone and like Samsung's had that like three generations ago. We're like, no, but this one's better, right? And like people, like they line up for release of, of new devices. I, I think they have a plot where your device will magically break down right before the new one releases so then you have to get back in line. Well, to test this idea that people crave new, this is a real story. Um, you can actually pull the picture there's an iconic glass Apple store in New York City. So to test how much people love new stuff, a group of people literally just threw an Apple sign on a glass entrance to the subway station. And then a couple people put on staff shirts and just stood outside the entrance to the subway station. That was it, they didn't say anything. They just stood there with Apple shirts outside of a case with a logo and a line started forming. No joke, around a couple blocks, this massive line, people just started waiting outside of a subway station because they thought there might be a new Apple store or product in play. That's how much we long to have our stuff. The most, uh, the richest person, the wealthiest person in the entire world right now is Jeff Bezos, the owner, CEO of Amazon. As of last month, he's, you know, just a meager 134.5 billion dollars is his worth. I mean, if he wants to come to church here, I'm okay with that too. But uh, but here is like he made his wealth. Okay, what through an online shopping platform that you can get anything from A to Z. You can literally find anything on Amazon and then Prime, and we've talked about this before, you've been a regular here, it's messed me up because expectations now, if something is not at my doorstep within two days, I'm like, man, our country, what's going on with our country? (laughs) We're going downhill, right? Maybe you've had this experience. I've ordered something that morning and it's been at my house before noon. I don't know how that's even possible When if I were to go to the store and come back, I would not have been there as fast as Amazon somehow shipped it to me, but I love it. And so they made, you know what? Hey, we're gonna make that checkout system even easier. You know what? Just just one click, that's it. You don't even have to fill anything out, just one click. And then by the way, if you even think about something, good luck trying to get it out of your head because now every ad you see after you look at one product is gonna be what you just looked at, right? Because an entire industry spends billions of dollars every year to promote to you that you are not enough. But if you buy this thing, this item, you will be. You can buy happiness. (laughs) But only for a little bit because we got a new one coming in a year, and I want you to buy that too. Right? You see how crazy this is? We always think, man, if I buy this, if I have this, if I purchase this, then I will be happy. But it's chasing. It's chasing after the wind. Secondly, if you're taking notes, we have to stop chasing status. We have to stop chasing status. Status is something that you can't always buy, even. Because this was a huge scandal recently in the news with the college admissions scandal where celebrities wanted their kids to be in a certain school. And even though they they could pay for their child to go to that school, their child didn't get in. And so rather than just simply go to another good school, They wanted that elite status of their child going to a certain spot, and so they secretly paid the school money just to let them in and created fake scholarships to let someone in. And so now these famous actors and actresses are likely going to jail or going through this long legal battle because of a bribery case when they really had everything that this world could offer, but they wanted that status for their kids. They wanted that elite level. They want that title. See, we do that in church world too. In fact, in the time of Jesus, the one group of people that Jesus got mad at was a group called the Pharisees who were started out as people who grew up and they memorized the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Torah. So if you memorize, okay, five books of something, okay, that's, that's pretty smart. You're pretty committed. And so they're keeping all the kinds of laws And then they said, you know what? Not only are we going to keep the laws, we're going to create some of our own and then we're going to be the hall monitors and make sure that everybody else keeps the laws because we know it better than they do. And so now, because they're feeling good about themselves, they started to elevate themselves, right? Because they have a higher position, they think they have higher power. And if they have higher power, then they can exploit other people. So... You've seen this across the board, not just in church settings, but in cultural settings where people in power try to exploit people who are the have-nots because they love their status. I find it interesting that in a political climate, I mean, we do have an, we do live in an age of free speech, and I love that, but isn't it interesting that we're curious on what everybody has to say, right, right? just because someone has a platform now they're an expert in an area you know you wouldn't do that for medical reasons well I saw this person in Spider-Man so they must be able to give me medical advice right they must be an expert but right think about that though we do that in other areas right they have a platform they have a status oh well they have a status therefore what they say must must have weight behind it and it must be true Never mind if they're an expert or they studied the topic or they know the situation. But yet, because of this platform, it's like, oh, we got to listen to them. Why? Because they have a status. Okay. We have to stop chasing the things of this world. Because it's not going to make us happy. We have to stop chasing stuff. Secondly, we have to stop chasing status. And third, we have to stop chasing immediate satisfaction. At our core, we crave satisfaction in every area of our life. But as C.S. Lewis points out, it's not that our cravings are too, too much, but they're actually too low. He actually describes people of this world as, Why are we so easily satisfied by making mud pies by the sea when we've been invited to an endless feast with the king? John Piper coined the phrase Christian hedonism. And he says that it's not about doctrine and duty. It's ultimately about do you delight in God? When you seek to gratify desires of your heart, that ultimate gratification comes from God, comes from an eternal place. And that when we settle for the counterfeits, when we settle for the knockoffs, when we settle for the less than, we miss out. And so it's not that we crave just wrong things and we crave too much and like, I just have to not have desire, I to not have desire. It's not that, it's that we have to actually crave better things and greater things and eternal things. And this comes out in every area of life, this idea of satisfaction. This is why people dive into drugs and drinking. They're craving something. Maybe they've gone through a hard time and there's a trigger and there's something that numbs reality or deadens reality where the things of God actually deepens reality and draws you close. You can binge eat. You can binge watch. You can do a lot of things that satisfy the soul but only temporarily and then leave you craving more. What's scary is living in a digital age and having the first digital generation of, of kids today is like there's really hasn't been around long enough to know the effects long term of this digital revolution, right? It's amazing how my three-year-old can get on my phone and pull up Netflix and search through and find stuff on my phone. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how you did that. Right? I've shared with some of you before, somehow she accidentally changed my name on my phone to Butt, And so now when I ask Suri something, she says, sure, Butt," And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to change that back. And so, and so everyone's like, oh, we, and, and this is the water we're swimming in. So we can't just say, oh, technology is evil. Do away with it. Let's be Amish and just go away and ride horses and have no power. Like, no, that's not, that's not going to happen, right? Because just as we get on students for being on their phones, you go to any conference anywhere, you know what the adults are doing? On their phones, taking selfies, searching online, posting things to try to get validation. Right? This is a human thing. It's not like a kid thing. It's not a teen thing. It's a human thing. And what's scary is social media and apps on our phone, because they are financially driven by the longer we stay on our phone, they actually create apps for the purpose of addiction. There's an internal email that I saw on a, um, it got published online through one app, that where the developer actually said this. I want to read the quote here. He said, You know, if we don't give their brain time to catch up with their impulses, they'll just keep scrolling. The apps. So they, they used to have like, it would stop, but now you have endless scroll. Why? Because your mind will just keep going. And we all have an area. Maybe it's not social media, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's sports, maybe it's news, but we all have something that will just keep scrolling, mindless, endless. Have you ever done that? Right? You're like, man, I'm so busy, let me just take five minutes, and then like 30 minutes goes by, and you're like, Where, where'd the time go? Because they're strategically investing money to keep you addicted to something else, so that you always have to update, that you always have to post. And then you actually, when you post, you actually get an adrenaline rush when you, rush when you get that like. And so now, instead of actually being open with the people next to us and being vulnerable, we post online and we hope that a like matches our validation and we get self-worth. See how crazy this is? Because as soon as you put your value in how many likes you get on a post, what happens when somebody else's post gets more likes? Or what happens if your next posts get less? Does that make it any less true? Is it any less you? Do you have less value now? But see, this is what we, this is why we chase after the wind. But see, this goes on too. Actually, um, before we move on, Kerry Newhoff said this. He says, we no longer own our devices. We live in an age where our devices actually own us. And when technology runs us, it can ruin us. You know, you can very much post a Bible version, create community. There's a lot of positive things you can do with technology, There's also a lot of the negative. Again, it's amoral. It's neutral. It's what you do with it. So the question is, but where are we seeking? What are we seeking from technology today? We see that in binge, you know, drinking, drugs, eating, social media, but also when it comes to the topic of sex. God created sex. There's a whole book on it. Okay? God created sex for the context of a man or woman in the context of marriage. And so what God created to be good, Satan counterfeited and and gave a lot of offshoots and said, well, you don't need to wait for this. You don't need to do that. You can look at something. You can do this. You can go out. You can just feel how you want to feel, be what you want to be, do what you want to do with no repercussions. But we know that's not reality because many of us in the room have been hurt by someone who just did what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it just because they felt it. Just because you have a feeling, does not make something right or not? Right? And so when you pursue immediate satisfaction, immediate pleasure, it's not that God's against it, it's that he's called us to something greater. And so here's why I say we have to stop chasing those things. We have to stop chasing stuff. We have to stop chasing status. We have to stop chasing immediate satisfaction. Because first of all, it doesn't work. You can chase all those things, but what happens when something difficult comes into your life? When someone gets sick, when someone loses their job, when someone breaks the relationship, is that status, is that stuff, is that immediate satisfaction that you're looking for, is Facebook going to save your marriage? No. Is that new item that you purchased off Amazon going to save your relationship? No. Is having a title on your business card going to make you a better father? No. But yet we chase it. The one person that had the most of all of those things, he had the most stuff, he had the highest status, and he could get anything he wanted ever. Even richer than Jeff Bezos was a guy in the Old Testament called King Solomon. Who had more, not even close, more wealth than Jeff Bezos. And he was the king, in a sense, leader of the strongest country in the world. He was the wisest man. He had access to opium and women and and gold. And I mean, he would just build stuff out of gold because he could. So he had the most stuff. He had the highest status, and he could be satisfied any way he wanted at any time with anything or anybody. He did not keep anything from himself. And so in this case study, when he got to the end of his life, do you know what he said? He says in Ecclesiastes 1.14, he says this. He says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It's not worth it. I did it. I have everything. And you see this true in culture too. Actor Anthony Hopkins, who's um, you know, famous in a lot of different movies, kind of played some creepy characters, I'm just being honest. But he was very successful, okay? And he got to the end of his life, and you know what he actually said? He says, um, you know, when I meet young people, they want to act and they want to be famous. And I tell them that when you get to the top of the tree, there's nothing up there. And he says, if you chase money, it's not going to work. If you chase success, it's not going to work. In fact, Anthony Hopkins actually became a raging alcoholic. <laughs> and I was actually going through a 12-steps program. That I actually found faith and realized, oh, that's what I was missing. <laughs> I tried to fulfill myself. I tried to chase the wind and it didn't work until I met Jesus. You know, stuff, status, satisfaction, none of these things are bad. Okay? It's not bad to own a nice home. It's, it's not sinful to have nice stuff. But that stuff will never be a savior. That status will never be give you power and that thing that you think is going to give you satisfaction is not going to last we have to stop chasing happiness and understand that it's a choice so what can we choose number one we have to start choosing God we have to start choosing God David a king himself Ultimately, he said this in Psalm 37.4, he says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. John Piper says this, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. I've seen people with wealth that are very happy, but it's people whose wealth has not defined them. And I've also been in orphanages where the kids literally had nothing, nothing at all. And they had more joy in their faces than <laughs> I've seen most in most people in our country. Because that joy of knowing God, choosing God, is deeper than anything this world has to offer. In fact, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this here, it says that... For by grace you have been saved through faith, faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, but for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's awesome about this passage is that you have been created on purpose and with a purpose. And then when you live with purpose, when you work in your skill set, in your gifting, in your desire, you are bringing glory to God and you're making a difference among people. So it doesn't matter if you get that promotion. You can have joy. It doesn't matter if you're in that exact spot that you need, that yet you hate your coworkers, and you're frustrated with your boss, and it's awful. You can actually choose joy because God has you there for a reason. God has you in a season for a reason. There's a purpose for you in this difficulty. There's a purpose for you in this valley. There's a purpose for you in this community at this time. He could have chosen any time in all of history, but yet you are born here, now, in this place. You have been born on purpose and with a purpose, and that when you live that out, man, you have a contentment. That this world cannot touch. And that comes when you choose God. But secondly, choose community. Choose community. That can be family, that can be church, be friends. We're not talking about married or single. But it's like, do you have a group of people that you can love and serve? It says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says this. Let's put it up on the screen here. It says, and, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We are able to hold each other up. And check out what's described here in the, in the church in Acts chapter 2. It says there, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And, they came, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And so we have these things, and it, and it continues on. But as you see these things here, that the church is that, it says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had in need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so you have this picture of community, of love. There are over 50 one another passages in scriptures. In fact, Jesus says this. It says, love one another as I have loved you. And it's by your love the world will know you as a Christian. And you can do that now when you choose community. The last thing is to choose fruit. In our Grove kids right now, I want to give a quick shout-out to them that over the summer, they're actually teaching through the nine fruits of the Spirit. And these these fruit, actually we have access to them at the moment of salvation. In other words, we get access to the Spirit of God working in our lives so that this can start working immediately and we start to work that out. And so we're working out our salvation, not for our salvation. And so Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Look at that list for a moment. Is there anything that you don't want? Man, I just have too much joy in my heart right now. It's been rough, right? Man, gosh, I just wish my teenager just would have less self-control. No, <laughs> I'm just too calm. I'm too at peace. I wish I had more turmoil in my life and unrest. No, why? We crave these things. We don't crave them because we're sinners. We crave them because we're human and we've been created in the image of God. And when we have the fruit of the spirit, it plays itself out within our life and our love. And that's why happiness is a choice. Now, I want to clarify, too, this is the beginning of a conversation, and so when people battle things like mental health and depression, understand this, that there are clinical and chemical reasons that people battle things, and so if you need to seek help, I want to encourage you to do that, and this is a starting place where you are, so your chemistry is not your character, but and the things that you have control over, we have to stop chasing stuff. We have to stop chasing status. We have to stop chasing after the things of this world, thinking, okay, if I get this, I will be satisfied. If I have that, I will be satisfied. If I get so many likes here, I will be satisfied. Stop chasing. It's exhausting, and you're never going to catch. You're the coyote, not the roadrunner, okay? Okay? And some of us think that if we run fast enough and we go off this cliff, we're like, well, if I don't look down, I'm okay. Reality sets in, and at some point you look down and you're like, oh, (laughs) I have no foundation. What happened? But it changes when you choose God. Here's a picture of it. This is actually our discipleship path as a church. Is that here we exist to help every man, woman, and child experience Jesus, and we want to plant the gospel, so plant the seed of faith in your life. We want to grow disciples, that's found in relationships and Bible studies and growth groups. And then we want to ultimately reproduce or multiply leaders, and so we want to see fruit. We want to see people that are more joyful and more peaceful and more self control and more loving and more kind. And so as you choose these things, this is how you grow in your faith, that when you choose God, that you're not going to be defined by your stuff or your status, but you're going to be defined as a child of God. And then when you choose community and you have people around you that you invest in and that love you back, and that ultimately you seek to produce fruit because that lasts. It says this in 1 Peter or Chapter 2, actually 2 Peter I think it's chapter one. Is Actually, I wrote down the reference wrong. But it says this. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very, his great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in his divine nature. I love that. Jesus did not come down, take on the form of a human so that he could experience us. He did not say, you know what, that, that creation kind of looks fun. Let's see what that's like. Put on skin for a while, get beat up a little bit, be hungry, be mocked. That sounds fun. Like Jesus did not come down so that he could experience us. He came down so that we could experience him. And now when we put our faith in Jesus, it says that we have access to his great promises and we can experience his divine nature. And so through that, we find true happiness, the joy that comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Maria Robinson says this, "She says, nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. You can't change a previous chapter of your life. Maybe you worried too much. Maybe you battled. Maybe you hurt someone. You can't change that chapter that's already been written. But you can start a new chapter today. And while you can't change the beginning, you can definitely change the ending. And it can start fresh. Last week, we put up this image of four chairs. We said, people came to Jesus... And he was preaching and he was doing miracles and he said, come and see. All were welcome to come and kick the tires and and explore, okay, what is Jesus all about? But at some point he challenged people and the disciples responded and Jesus said, come, follow me. And they went from a spectator to a believer but then after believing, that was the beginning, not the ending of their journey. And so then they became actually someone who then became fishers of people. They were Many of them were fishermen. And God turned their profession into reaching out and sharing the gospel. And so they turned around and became a worker and said, Hey, you need to hear this Jesus guy. And so everybody from from the woman at the well to Zacchaeus, a tax collector, to an educated guy named Nicodemus, to just men and women from all over, Samaritans, Jewish, Gentile, everyone had access to this. But he said, no, you're going to go out and tell this story that I provide salvation and you have access to it. And then ultimately they go even a step further and say, hey, I'm going to invest in somebody. That fruit we just read, I want to live that out. And so you have stages of growth. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to challenge you again to think about these four pictures of come and see. Follow me. To be a fisher of people, are you telling people about it? Or are you actually producing fruit and investing in others? And if you can identify where you are, do you have the courage to move to that next year? Because happiness is not something you chase. It's something you choose. And it starts by choosing God. Because he first chose us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for your son. God, as humans, we continually fall short and we chase after the things of this world thinking that we're going to find meaning. but God, we're not going to find our meaning in stuff or in our status or or in immediate satisfaction. God, may we crave the deeper, meaningful things like, like worship and church and your word and prayer and connection and loving and serving people. God, may we choose you because you chose us. God, we cannot make it to heaven on our own, but you came so that we could experience you God, I pray for those in this room that if they've never put their faith in you, they will do so today. That they will talk with someone before they leave. They will mark that connection card so that we can follow up with them. And they can go on this journey. Help us not to be Christian atheists who just say they believe in you. But help us to be followers to live out our faith daily. And may we demonstrate that with how we love. Thank you for saving us. May we go be a blessing to others this week because you first blessed us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.